Grace and peace to all. Welcome to Worship at New Faith Community United Methodist Church. I am Pastor Jackie King, and it is a blessing to share God's Word with you this day. I want to personally invite you to experience weekly Bible studies and reflections by visiting us online at www.nufaith.org. That's www.nufaith.org. Also, you are invited to worship weekly with us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Houston Ballrooms located at 14880 Bamel North Houston Road, Houston, Texas, 77014. I hope the temperature is right. I hope the setting is great. And I hope the atmosphere has already been set. For the word of God is here. And it's time for us to embrace what the Lord has. I want you to set your mind on a miracle. Set your mind on a miracle. Is your mind there? I want to just read a few words from Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, when God created heavens and earth, the earth was formless, void, and dark, covered with the face of deep. While a wind from God swept over the face of the water, and then God said, let there be light. And then there was light, and God saw the light, and it was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called that light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. And that was just the first day. And then God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made that dome and separated the waters that were under the dome and the waters from above the dome. And it was so. And God said, I will call the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was night, and there was the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered under one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So God called the dry land earth, and the waters were gathered together. He called seas. And then God said, it was good. Why do I begin this journey this way? Because today we're going to look at the miracles and sometimes we forget about what it means to be in a miraculous situation. Sometimes we forget about what God has done. We neither made the skies nor we made the waters. We neither made the sea nor we made the day nor the night. But when the goodness of God comes, have you ever wondered what was on God's mind? For he had made that day, and then he made another day, and another day, and another day, and somewhere along the way, he brought us to this day. Maybe you say this is an ordinary Sunday. Maybe you say this is an ordinary time of day. Maybe you even say, well, what's so amazing about today? For some of you will answer, yes, this is an amazing day. Others of you will simply say, eh, it's a regular old day. It's a maybe, maybe kind of day. But I asked you, did you make the day? Did you make the sunlight? 
Did you even whisper to a star to make it blink and shine and sparkle at night? What have you done in the miracle of this day? Regardless of where you are on your spiritual journey and what you may be embracing today, the mandate from Matthew says, go with power. For I will be with you always. Go. It doesn't say go if you want to. It doesn't say go if you feel like it. It says go forth. It doesn't ask you whether you have fear. It doesn't ask whether you have sadness. It doesn't even say, are you uncertain? It says go. Does it say that your spirit has uncertainty? Does it say that your spirit has challenges? It is saying to us, focus and go forth with power. With that focus in mind, the sermon this morning is simply called Life-Ordering Moments. For we did, not order, we did not order the sun, and we did not order the moon, and we did not order the God that is the creator. We didn't even get a chance to order the sun. And truly, the move of the Holy Spirit, we hardly can contain ourselves, so there is not an order that we send forth. It's an order that the Lord sends forth. So consider this moment as an invitation to go forth with a life-ordering moment by the love of Jesus Christ. Put your seatbelts on because the ride may get bumpy. Put your seatbelts on because something may move in your life right in front of your eyes. The miracle that you have been praying for may be right here. I invite you to hold on because the gear may cause you to move but you're going to move because the Lord has said so. What does it mean to move forward? First, we have to recognize where we are. Do we want to move forward? Do we want to be latched to the past? Do we want to be part of the great commission that says go forth and make disciples? It didn't invite us with a passive. It sure would be nice if you want to go forth and call a few people, make a couple disciples. It, it would be nice if you would just have a little testimony and go forth or do something. It's with power, it's with might that the Great Commission, where Jesus invites his disciples to do three major things. He instructs them and he invites them to do first and foremost that we should worship the Lord. Some of us worship with our hands up. Some of us worship to the ground. Some of us worship with high praise and some of us just worship in a peaceful silence a meditative moment. It didn't say how you ought to worship. It says that you must worship. Check out Matthew 28, 17 and read what it says. It tells us that we need to worship the Most High God. And then it goes forth to tell us the disciples are instructed to witness to Jesus. See the Lord, that he is real. Have you witnessed a miracle in your life that you cannot explain? Have you witnessed a healing in your life that you cannot explain? Have you witnessed a situation that you cannot explain? And the only thing that you can explain that you have witnessed Jesus Christ is love? He told his disciples, he didn't passively say, but you need to be able to witness that God is a miraculous God, that there's mystery in our faith, that he is a mighty and awesome God. didn't say how to witness. 
but it said that we ought to witness. And then in verse 19, it reminds us that we ought to be washed in the Spirit. Some of us are cool. Some of us are sharp. And some of us are afraid to just wave our hands and say, Hallelujah, King Jesus. The Lord has moved in my life. The Holy Spirit is raining down, and I can feel his miracle presence upon me. I can feel his comfort in the middle of the night. Oh, yes, he is here. And he has washed my heart. He has washed my mind. He has washed my soul. He has changed my walk. Oh, yes, I have been washed in the Spirit. Have you been washed? Well, I encourage you to just identify with being washed. Some of you don't have small children, but you can remember having children and every part of their body would be dirty. But they come to you and say, but my hands are clean. I have sweated, I have played, but I put my hands under the water fountain right there so I could have these cookies. And what was your statement as a parent or an aunt or the person who may have been caring for them? Go wash your hands, baby. Why do we need to be washed? In the human condition, it's germs. In the human condition, I don't care whether the thing drops on the ground and we pick it up with the 90-second kiss the, from the ground up rule. Dirt is on the ground, dirt is in the air, but we wash because we want to be made clean. So if we're washed in the spirit, if we're washed, we ought to be different. We ought to have a different way we walk. We ought to have a different way we talk. We ought to even have a little swagger because the Holy Spirit will make you move when you didn't want to move. It ought to give you a little warmth in your heart. You ought not be able to just stand where you used to be, but it's an invitation to worship the Lord, witness Jesus, and be washed and made fresh and anew in the Holy Spirit over and over again. But are all those things done because we're so cute, Miss Thelma? Is it just because we're cute? Just tell me. Because we're cute people? I mean, some of us are really cute. I mean, Lisey, sometimes it's like, yes, I am cute in the Lord. But this is not for us personally. This is that we could go get out make disciples for the testimony of what god has done through your faith in you ought to say something to somebody you ought to be able to say i worship a most high god no everything isn't right but i can witness that the love of christ is so good and so great and i've been washed in his spirit that i say i'll stay where i am but i've been made new given these invitations for a life-altering moment what does it really mean to worship God and witness God's greatness? For if this sermon had to have another title, it was simply because it was like, mm, 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 it's good. Because in the creation of it all, what God has done is that we would be washed so our lives would be transformed that we could arrive in the beginning of the day and our life would be such that God says, I created life. And it is good. This is a miracle. I've had a rough week, but even in the rough week, he created space for you to say, mm, 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 it's still good. 
So if we're going to try to keep the main things, the main things, and recognize that God has ordered this day a long time ago, we ought to be worshiping God. We ought to be celebrating. We ought to be waving our hands and just say, hallelujah, for you are an awesome God. When you celebrate life-ordering moments, you get a whole new kind of power. And it's not an egotistical power. It's not even a power that comes from in us. That power comes from the Lord. That power to stay the course comes from the Lord. You have moved and been in difficult situations. Maybe you had a diagnosis and everybody believed that was your last breath, but you said, uh-uh, God hasn't said that to me. My days are ordered. My situations are in such a place. I'm not going to go with that, that definition over there. Maybe you've been trying to get a degree and you have changed your major 15 times and you finally got a major that you're going to stick with. And your advisor said, doggone brother, you're going to graduate come this August. And you said, hallelujah, King Jesus. I've made a many a change, but I'm going to stick to course and I'm going to go all the way now. Because I believe that he ordered my steps and that this is a life-ordering moment. And I'm going to witness, regardless of whether it's a trial or tribulation, whether it's a triumph over here, I'm going to advance to the next job. I'm going to advance to the next grade. I know my C is a tough C, but I worked hard for that C. And y'all don't understand how good that C is. My C is your A++, but I've worked that so I could pass that class. Oh, yeah, I'm going to work it out. And I'm going to worship God in truth. And I'm going to hold on to the power that the Lord has given me. Why do I say life-ordering moments? Life-ordering moments have to come in season and out of season. Life-ordering moments have to be a yielding to our being so that we can walk in the way that God wants us to walk. Life-ordering moments remind us no matter what our needs are, what matter what our situations are, that we must be willing to live in the space that God has created this day. For we don't have the awesome knowledge, but we are responders to the knowledge that God gives us. But beyond the knowledge, beyond the faith, beyond all that, we have the love of Jesus Christ. We have the grace of a true and living God that is guiding and directing us even when we don't know. Because sometimes in life-ordering moments, we just can't figure out how it all comes together. We can't dig in and see the presence of God just yet. We want to get closer and we say, what are you talking about? My life has been upside down for the last 15 days, and you trying to tell me that was ordered by God? What kind of test is that? What thing are you trying to point out for me when I'm saying if we worship God and we witness to God and we call upon the Holy Spirit, the one that was promised to us, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the triune God, the God that will keep us, the God who will sustain us, the God who will provide for us. We will walk in a brand new kind of grace, and we'll say, whoa, that was a heavy-duty test. But God said, you're going to pass it anyway, because I keep you in perfect peace. 
But we have to recognize that in the beginning, God created. And it was good, and God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good is a, a song that we hear from, but it's the big reason to just praise God, because God just is. When we begin seeing him as the ultimate creator of everything that in our life, we're not afraid to go from season to season and even lose a few things. Because some of what we need to lose, we don't like the pain. But in the end, he said, that is something you had decided to put above me. And I have to set things in a new motion. Sometimes the loss isn't about what we may feel. But sometimes it's about recognizing that God is just so great. That in the finality of things, we don't want to talk about death. We only want to talk about life. But we don't lose God's love. We don't lose his mercy. We don't lose his everlasting grace. But there are things that we lose on earth. But what about what he has done to help us move forward when those things are there? I'm going to park right there for a minute and to remind us that God creates, provides, sustains, blesses, cares, loves, and shows us each day an important thing. But in the creation story, God did everything in seven days. His seven days wasn't our seven days. It was done in a mighty and different way. But on the seventh day, it says that he rested. And so a lot of times when I'm talking and I'm praying and I'm asking God how to move on my life, I struggle with that seventh day. Because God said, you have the power. I send you forth with love and grace and everlasting power. But you have worshipped me, but you forgot in worshipping me that you must take a rest. We forget that on the seventh day, God calls us into a restful relationship. And you may say, well, what does that have to do with life-ordering moments? Sometimes we miss today because we took no Sabbath. So in the midst of all this, I invite you to recognize that the awesomeness of God requires and encourages us not only to say that it's good, not only to worship him and acknowledge him, but to say that we need to rest. What's rest about? What's Sabbath about? It's the ultimate of praise. It literally allows God to govern your day. You don't have to wait until the seventh day. We ought to have Sabbath rest in every day that God gives us. We ought to take a moment and be able to relish in the understanding that God is an awesome God. And that is a power to embrace the faithfulness and the grace and connect to the power. Because what happens when you get tired? Come on, somebody. We are just like our children. We look just like the little babies. When we get cranky and tired, we get fussy. Oh, oh, would you just please? Kids tired, we tired, everybody tired. So when we don't take on the Sabbath rest, we can embrace all that God has for us. Also, Jesus tells the disciples and proclaim the authority in heaven and earth that was given unto him. I want you to imagine the imagery of what it means to embrace the authority. 
Some of us are afraid of the authority. Some of us are afraid to step out and be holy and bold for Jesus Christ. Some of us only see the little things in life. And so when the Lord says, claim ye the authority, we think it means be mean Joe Green. I told you that I'm in charge. That's not what this claim in the authority is about. It's about embracing the humility of a great and loving God. It's about being led and yield our understanding and our agendas to a God that loves us so much that we can walk it out by faith. Amen? And we witness that Jesus is real. In life-ordering moments, it's about acknowledging that we can go forth with the power, stand on the word of God, and still be humble and still have laughter and still have joyful obedience and not be, I'm a Christian. I'm the judgment of life. He didn't call us into that kind of authority. He called us into authority that is gentle and humble and real. Some Christians, we need to take a notch down on the authority moment and just have a little joy with the Lord and be able to stand by faith and walk with some joyful obedience and say, he made me and I'm glad about it. He keeps me and I'm glad about it. We ought to have something that's a little light about us. And we too busy trying to judge somebody else's situation and God didn't call us into judgment. He called us into relationship so that we would have the grace and we would be acknowledged and he is awesome. He didn't call us to authority in a negative way. He also didn't call us into a relationship that says, I'm going to kick you to the curb. He didn't call us into that. So we trying to fire people because they not in the act right. We think we can spray the act right can and they can come into order. I invite you to connect to the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I get some act right, I'm going to just give it back to God because he the only one that can handle such a product. Amen. And lastly, Jesus knows that our life was purchased with a price. Amen. He gave his life, stepped in, and absorbed our sins, gave us salvation, and then promised us that a comforter would come and keep us to the end of the age. That's a joyful understanding. So in order that we move forward, we must be baptized. And what does the baptism really mean? It means that we are part of the body of Christ. That we unify, that we come in, that we gather, but we experience an unconditional love through the faith and grace in Jesus Christ that's like no other. It's not about our names on the roll. It's about a relationship where our lives have been ordered. And ultimately, the goal in life is that we would go out and tell somebody else how good God is. It's not about us. It's not about our situations. He invites us to go forth and make disciples. First, connect with the source by worshiping him. Secondly, seek Jesus and witness to his goodness, his greatness, his awesomeness, his salvation, his mercy, his goodness that is everlasting to everlasting. 
And then finally it is to yield our spirits unto the Holy Spirit. Release, release, release who we think we are so that we can grab hold to who he's calling us to be. Your steps have been ordered. So why do you sit still? If you're in a life-ordering moment and you believe you can walk it out by the love of Jesus Christ, what holds you to do what you used to do? Is it comfort? Is it complacency? Is it fear? Is it disappointment? Is it unforgiveness? Is it I don't believe you? Whatever it is. Your life was ordered this day to hear a word, to put some fire under your soul, to keep you rising, to keep you climbing, to take you to realize that the skies are the limit. For today, you have been ordered and invited to be part of the kingdom of the living God. Will you stand? and worship God? Will you acknowledge to your neighbor how good God is? And in the midst of it all, will you let the Lord touch you through prayer? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you have ordered our lives. This is a life-ordering moment. Father God, some of us need to release what used to be and grab hold to what is today. Some of us need to walk with newness because the Holy Spirit is upon us. Some of us need to forgive someone else and yet be forgiven ourselves. Some of us, dear Lord, need to walk in a newness that only you can give us through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I ask that you would rain down upon us your spirit, your mercy, your grace, your everlasting power so that we won't use it and abuse it, but we will walk out into the world and make disciples for Jesus Christ. Let us go forth this day and tell somebody, mm, 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 you sure are good. To God be the glory. Give God a hand clap of praise.